brought to you in association with our partners at Cassidy Travel. Um, I'm Mark Cockrell, uh, joined as always by Colm Cronin, Brian O'Leary. Good evening, lads. Evening, Mark. We decided to give Michael McQuaid the night off because London's coming. It's going to be a big time ahead. So he's having a rest there, uh, not feeling the May West. So best wishes to Michael there. But looking forward to talking through all of the rest of the Sunday's games with you. Please feel free, guys, to put in your comments, your questions into us at Twitter and YouTube. Look forward to hearing from them. And, Colin, before we get started on the weekend, though, how about the midweek? We had previewed the Thursday night game. Uh, maybe a quick thought from you and Brian on the result between in that AFC North battle. I think exactly as we expected, really, the the Steelers are a, a QB short and it's going to take everything within magical Mike Tomlin's abilities for them to remain, you know, above uh, 500 this year. They have phenomenal weapons, certainly. And we saw the, the catch from Pickens, but... <laughs> Mitchell Trubitsky is not the answer. He said afterwards definitively that they're not looking to make a change, but they, I think they, they have to do something um, because if they continue to rush, run Trubitsky out there, it's going to be very difficult to continue to get players to buy in. Echo Column starts the top for the first half. Steelers are in the game. Trubitsky was in the game. He, he ran in a touchdown, but as the game <clears throat> excuse me, wore on, the Browns defensively started to get to get to speed with them in terms of what they were doing, and they shut them down essentially for the entirety of the second half. And the game, I felt the second half, the game was closer than really than it than it was. I thought the Browns were comfortable in the end, and the, the weather wasn't the greatest either. Our kickers on the night, you know, it was a bit adverse. There was a few a missed point, a missed extra point, a missed field goal. So the Browns, I always said to Colin, the Browns will be ruined themselves. So, you know, they really should be three and after last week's uh, meltdown in the last two minutes, but. Um, I, look, it was always going to be a difficult game on a Thursday night with the weather, as it was expected. So they'll be happy to get, get over the get over the line. And for the Steelers, yeah, like today has been the talk of the catch more so than the performance. But the performance has to be looked at because okay, they've got the Jets coming in, but there's difficult days ahead unless they make a change of quarterback. In my opinion. Well, we'll wait and see if they make a change. The Browns are indeed, though, at least still two and one, which a lot of teams in the league would love to get to this week. Uh, it's going to be needed in that competitive AFC North, to say the least, with the Ravens going well. And the Bengals still not yet firing. I mentioned them at the start, but don't forget to check out our partners, Cassidy Travel, for all their great US NFL packages. And you'll find various giveaways from us all through the year on YouTube and Twitter. So if you're not following us already, please do so if you're just listening to the podcast at the moment. Now, we did break down three of the games this weekend on our Thursday night show. You'll find them there on Twitter, on YouTube, on all the channels, but of course through the podcast as well. So if you're a fan of the Saints and Panthers, Texans at the Bears, or the Chiefs at the Colts, we won't be talking about them tonight. They're already out there for your uh, delectations and pleasure already. But, gentlemen, let's get on to talking about football. We've a lot to cover. We've 11 games to talk about. And let's start with the pick of the bunch. An AFC East thundering game of all proportions, possibly the game of the week. And, Colm, it doesn't for once involve those beloved New England Patriots. No, it doesn't. It involves... The, the new kings, I think, of the a AFC East in terms of the Buffalo Bills. It would be difficult, like, difficult to make an argument that Josh Allen 
isn't the playing the best. Not to say he's the best player, because that's certainly open for debate. But through the first two games of the the season, he uh, he has been otherworldly. Um, his ability to um, just make magic happen, his ability to take what teams have thrown at him. The way in which teams have, I suppose, tried to contain Josh Allen. They tried last year. We're seeing it roll out across the league now against uh, other um, QBs, but he's had to put up with it for um, a lot longer. He's learned how to play against it. He takes what's there. Um, and if you give him any opportunity to throw downfield, he is going to, to do that. So, uh, an amazing stat from uh, PFF today, which said on 15 plus yard throws, uh, Josh Allen has one incompletion. And he has three touchdowns. So, so more touchdowns than incompletions, which tells you just how well he, he is playing. But they are going against a Dolphin side who um, are electric and have incredible, incredible wide, wide receivers. Now, the Bills have, have one in Stefan Diggs, who has 270 yards. Um, but Tyreek Hill has 284 and Waddle has 240. That's the one, two, three of receivers in the league currently. Going to see him in this game. The issue for me, um, for the Bills, is the uh, the injury list. I mean, it resembles uh, a field hospital. Uh, so they are without Micah Hyde, Dane Jackson, Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips. Um, Jordan Poirier is questionable. And from what I'm reading, he is unlikely to play. I think that's a huge, huge loss. And for that reason, I have the Miami Dolphins shocking uh, the Buffalo Bills. The Bills will be fine. They will be fine. But just this week, I think that they have a few too many injuries out. And I am going to say that the Dolphins get the win. Colin's starting on the fish. Brian, what's your thoughts? Any beef from you, maybe? Arjuna, potentially. But uh, he's, he actually hasn't mentioned another one. Gabe Davis, again, he's questionable as well. He didn't play Monday, one of their star players. We saw his breakout game. To a certain extent, week one, we saw what he did in the playoffs against the Chiefs. Colin was right. This Miami offense has been explosive. And, and it's it's magic how stats after two weeks are deceiving. They're the number one offense in the league, you know, at the moment. But if you base it, if you, t- if you remove last week's uh, four-quarter performance, there's like 22nd in the league based on that one game against the Patriots. So... It's a little bit distorted in terms of if you look at it, you know, in the, if you go into the, the granularity of stats in the league. Um, the Dolphins' defense actually concerns me. There was a lot of feeling that they were going to be consistent because they didn't make uh, any radical changes with the coaches and stuff. But we saw last week when the, when the Ravens had six big plays in the game and three of them went for touchdowns. So they can be exploited as well. And I imagine the Bills will find ways to exploit them. I can see why the Dolphins are being picked by many, many a person, but I, I do... Think Josh Allen's on a roll. He's had a great, he's had a great career against uh, Miami. Seven and one against Miami, two hundred forty-seven yards on average, and he he runs for an average of fifty-eight yards per game. He just seems to have the knack of finding big performances. Once he's doing it consistently, those games against Miami in particular always seem to go well for him. I can't go against the Bills. I I I would like to pick the Dolphins. I'd like to see the Dolphins win, but the Bills just right now feel like a juggernaut that no one can get get over. It'll be a great game. I'd imagine it'll be high scoring, but for me, I think the Bills will edge it. Brian, you say the Bills are like a juggernaut. At the moment, they are on a, a NFL record streak. Their last 20 wins, their last 20, which has three against Miami in that streak, 
have all come by more than 10 points. Uh, I think you have to go back to 2020 for when they last won a game by less than 10 points. So when they win, they win big. Um, is that a problem? Can they win the close ones? We were talking a little bit about that in the playoffs last year. And of course, they came up short. But the way they've started this season, expectations are quite rightly sky high. They are managing some injuries. They could be starting two rookie cornerbacks, their first-round pick, Kai Alem, and uh, Benford as well, who has started some games for them already, a sixth-round pick out of the draft this year. And that could be going up against this very, very threatening and exciting Miami offense. What offense are we going to get from Miami, though? Is it the offense that spluttered for the three quarters against the Ravens, or is it the offense that absolutely exploded in the fourth quarter? For my money, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency in relation to it. I Even with their injuries, the Bills' defense is a serious unit, number one defense, obviously, in the NFL last year. And overall, as Brian, you described it, I get Column's point, I get the argument about the upset, but the Bills are a juggernaut until proven otherwise, the juggernaut won't be stopped this weekend. So I've gone for the Bills. Um, so we're at two to one, and Michael, too, uh, with his favorite second team, of course, the Buffalo Bills, has gone for the Bills as well. So, Colm, you're the lone wolf on this one, uh, but of course, we'll see how it all pans out when the games are played. Now, moving from a rivalry in the AFC East, let's go over to the NFC North, and here's a historic rivalry, and probably two teams, one of which has flattered to deceive at many, many occasions, and one of which is... Uh, just flattering a little bit more this year than we might have imagined, both on hard knocks and on the actual football field. Colm, Lions and Vikings, break it down for us. Yeah, these are uh, two teams. I think the last, it's read the last three games have been decided by two um, two points. Uh, so it tells you that this is a division where, um, you know, it's, the teams keep it pretty close. Certainly, we've seen the Vikings last year. We talked about it frequently, how they seem to play to their opponents. Um, and the the Lions, though, got the, the wins uh, last year with kind of, uh, I think, a last-second field goal. And then, obviously, the uh, um, catch from Amara St. Brown, um, who has been absolutely lights out thus far this year. Um this, to me, one of the things I'm going to watch out for in this game is Dalvin Cook, because Dalvin Cook had a disaster against the Eagles, and he hasn't really gotten going as yet. You never know when a, a running back is going to, you know, kind of fall off a cliff. That's not not to say he, he has as yet, but I think this is going to be an interesting test to see. He is usually incredible against the, the Lions. Uh, he averages over 100 yards against them. So this is a big, big test uh, for him. But they're going against a, a Lions team who, um, you know, kind of, we're, we're strong against the Eagles, even though I, I never felt that game was as close as the scoreline um, would suggest. But at the same time, the, the Lions were very good um, on offense. Uh, they're second only to the Chiefs in terms of points. They're fourth in red zone scoring and they're third in uh, rushing yards per game. 
I think that the the Vikes, after that enormously impressive win over the Packers in week one, are still finding their feet a little bit. Um, and I'm going to go and say that the momentum is with the, the Lions here. And would I be shocked if the Vikings won? Absolutely not. They, they could. But my pick for this is going to be the Lions. Column has gone against the trend this week already in two games. Um, this game for me is a, is a strange one because Goff has been quite good so far, let's be fair to him. You know, he gets a lot of critics, but 41 of 71 completions, 471 yards, six touchdowns. But they've all come at home in two games. And defensively, yeah, they won last week, but they let Washington back into the game. They might have taken the foot off the gas, certainly, but they've given up 25, 28 points in the first game and they've given up 27 points last week. They're still concerned in the secondary. We saw when Dotson got into the game last week, Court Samuel, they were very efficient. There was big, long plays by, by Wentz, and maybe they were airing it out because they were playing from behind. They want to get back into the game, but we saw the first week the Eagles did something similar as well. The A.J. Brown had a big game for 155 yards. I look offensively what the Vikings have. Thielen, Jefferson, Cook has to get off the slide at some stage and have a really strong game. And Cousins seem to be more comfortable in the home games. And you would expect the Vikings defence to be looking to rebound off a poor game. Having played so well and so strong in the first game, only giving up seven points at home to the Packers to give up 24 points. They did hold the Eagles in the fourth quarter, didn't give up any points. Maybe that's a little bit of a team they can work on. But for me, the Lions are going the right direction, but I think this is a game that the Vikings will, will win. Um, Colin brightly brings up the results last year. And of course, the uh, Lions defeating the Vikings last year probably sealed the uh, fate of Mike Zimmer. Um, it was arguably the most inexcusable loss of his entire regime. And given there were a few bad losses in there, that is saying something. Um, so the Lions put the final nail in his coffin. At the same time, with St. Brown catching that touchdown, we started to see the birth of a real superstar because he finished last year on a roll and he hasn't stopped this year. Probably one of the most exciting players this season so far, albeit only through a couple of weeks. Um, St. Brown and the Lions, they've been watchable. They've been entertaining. I was saying it. They were entertaining on Hard Knocks. They've been very entertaining on the field. Um, Jared Goff, Brian, I mean, last week he was in that category of those quarterbacks that we should apologize to uh, for various uh, slanders and events, uh, four touchdowns, a very strong performance. And it doesn't get much worse than it did for the Minnesota Vikings last week. Dalvin Cook only had 17 rushing yards. They were thoroughly outplayed by uh, an Eagles team. And it was almost like they were outplayed in spirit and effort just as much as they were in talent. So if nothing else, it reminds you of one of the five great rules of gambling on the NFL. Number one is never bet on the Dallas Cowboys. Number two is see rule number one. Number three is never bet on the Minnesota Vikings. And number four is see rule number three. And of course, number five is Read again one and three, and especially three, because you should never, ever, ever bet on the Minnesota Vikings. With that all being said, I still think Jared Goff is going to turn back into a pumpkin, a very entertaining pumpkin, and the Minnesota Vikings can't be as bad as they were last week. I am not going to put money on it. I'm not going to put money near it. I'm not even going to think of gambling involving the Minnesota Vikings ever again in my entire existence. But I will believe that they will win this game. See, I didn't say I'll bet on them winning this game. I believe they will win this game. So, I, you know, in my heart of hearts, though, Colin and Brian, 
I actually probably think I'd prefer the Lions to win. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes uh, in relation to it. Michael also goes with the Vikings. So Colm is, you know, I almost want you to howl at this point, Colm. That's two lone wolf picks in a row. So good, good start to the show. Uh, now we're going to do one more game before we end this particular segment of the podcast. And that game brings us back to the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens at the New England Patriots. Uh, Colm, AFC Championship games, playoff contenders year after year. The luster might have, you know, lost its sparkle on this game a little bit, especially from a Patriot side. Yeah, two two of the more long tenured head coaches, obviously as well, and uh, two guys with a lot of tactical acumen. You you would have to say so. Um, I, I imagine we'll see uh, an interesting and intriguing battle between Belichick and and Harbaugh. For me, Mark, the, the Patriots just haven't been the same since they actually beat the Bills in, in early December last year in that kind of crazy win game uh, where they only had Mac Jones attempt three passes. They, they won that night, but outside of that resounding victory uh, against the, the Jags, they put a, a 50 burger on them, which is quite something. But in the meaningful games, they haven't. They haven't looked like the the Patriots of old. I go back to the, and yeah, he came up with a big catch last week, but I just don't believe the receiving talent um, and the the tight end talent is the the same as it once was on that Patriots team. Um, You know, I I think, is, is Mac Jones an elite QB? No. We've had the, this discussion, but is Mac Jones a capable QB? Yeah, I think if you put the, the weapons around him, um, and I think that's what we're seeing teams look to do, is in order to develop young QBs, you you lean into their particular strengths and you give them weapons. I question whether Bill Belichick has done enough for, for Mac Jones in, in that respect. Um, and, and I think ultimately... Um, that's what's going to cost them in in this game. The Ravens have struggled to get their um, run game going. There's talk that J.K. Dobbins might be back this week. I don't know if that has yet been confirmed. But Lamar played fantastic um, last week. They were only undone because the Dolphins have such an array of weapons and speed. I don't believe the Patriots have that. And so for me, it's going to be the Ravens. There's a feel of doom and gloom about the Patriots, albeit it's only two games into the season. Even though they won last week, there's still a lot of negative stuff out there. But defensively, they've been very strong. They've only given up two touchdowns, and they've had to only give up two touchdowns because they've only scored 24 points in those two games. But the first game was against the Dolphins, who went and put all those points up last week. So there's a lot. Of, there is a lot of things to work on here, and I know Mac Jones isn't getting the love, and I know people are kind of concerned about whether he's the right answer in the long run. He has to have some reasonably good long drives, and he's been quite. Is is a conservative the right word? Is it similar to what we saw last season? Few explosive plays, but again, it's a lot of it is. Try keep your try keep your offense off the field and have these long drives. I find it difficult to see how they can live with this Ravens offense. Um, the, and for Ravens defense, that'll be reeling after last week's forty points. The last three or four times, the last four times in which they play games, haven't given up forty. They've only averaged 90, 19 points in terms of what they've given up. I'm with the Ravens on this. The Ravens are not going to have never won a regular season game in Foxborough. They've won in the playoffs 
six games and they've never won in Foxbury. I think they'll correct that this weekend and they'll have their fourth regular season win there. I think the, the Patriots will play them tough for a large part of the game. Just feel that they will find ways with Bateman and Mark Andrews to have too much for the Patriots in the long, in the in the overall scheme of the game. So, gents, the Patriots are seventeen and three in home openers. And bear in mind they've played two away games, so this is their home opener for this season. Um, and that's a interesting statistic. It also of interest might be that Mac Jones started breaking out a few RPOs uh, during the Steelers game last week. However. The Baltimore Ravens, and when you've got Lamar Jackson maybe running some RPOs or option plays, uh, are far more dynamic, far more explosive, and far more exhilarating team, to be frank. Last week, they became the first team in NFL history to have touchdowns of more than 75 yards on a pass, a run, and a special teams play. Um, and in many respects, Brian, you alluded to it on our Thursday show. That was part of their flaw, maybe, that there was no time off the clock and hence why we had such a high-scoring game with an opportunity for Miami to come back in. But like you, I think that uh, defensive breakdown was an aberration against an equally explosive and dangerous Miami Dolphins offense. You cannot say, you really can't say, that the Patriots are in any way a similar threat offensively. And certainly the Baltimore Ravens will give any team more than enough to uh, contend with uh, when it comes to their offense. Uh, Bill Belichick said about Lamar Jackson this week, he has answered any questions about his ability to play in the pocket. You could say this is Belichick softening up the opposition, as he often does. But Jackson has thrown for three passing touchdowns in each of the opening two games. The Ravens, the first time he's done that in the career, his career. And there are a lot of media outlets talking about the fact that in 2018, the Pats had Jackson in for a visit, but decided with their two first-round picks to go for Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle and not draft Jackson potentially as uh, Tom Brady's successor. I think that's a bit stretching, to be honest with you. I don't think the Patriots were thinking necessarily succession at that particular point in time. But uh, Lamar Jackson said he's seen Bill Belichick smile and he had great times on that particular visit. I don't think it's going to be Belichick smiling this weekend. I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson and John Harbour, who's given Belichick a lot of problems as an opposing coach. Uh, so I go with the Ravens and Michael also makes it a full sweep. So a four on the Ravens this week. Now, that brings us to the end of our first segment for the podcast. So we'll move on now and look at the next four games very shortly. Okay, moving on with the show. Just a reminder, get your questions in through YouTube, through Twitter, and we'll address them towards the end of the show. But moving swiftly on here with the second segment of the podcast, um, the Bengals at the Jets in week three. Uh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we flatten, flatter to deceive. Uh, the Bengals haven't been very flattering so far, Colm. But the Jets, unbelievably, last week in the second half were, or last two minutes were. How do you make? How do you feel that this one's going to break down? Yeah, I, I saw a tweet during the week, and it was um, co- kind of quoting, I suppose, Lael Collins when he signed for the Bengals, and he said um, to Joe Burrow, "Don't don't worry, your your new bodyguards in town, nobody's going to touch you." And this quote tweet said, 
Um, Joe Burrow, JFK, having bodyguards let you down in Dallas, <laughs> which uh, was uh, quite quite apt. Um, now, I would go back and say some of the sacks that Burrow is taking are on him. And he's he talked about that during the offseason. We've mentioned that before. He wants to hold on to the ball and uh, make the play happen. But he cannot take the, the punishment that he has. Certainly all doesn't seem well in the Bengals camp. We saw, um, you know, Joe Burrow um, shouting at his head coach uh, last week. And prior to, obviously, look, this time last year, say at the start of last season, there was a lot of talk around um, the head coach of the the Bengals. And then they went on the the magical run. Um, And obviously this season has not started well. They are looking to avoid going uh, to 0-3. And if that were to happen, they would be the first team since the the Rams at 0-2 um, to to lose the Super Bowl and then go 0-3. The the Jets are looking to go above 500 uh, for the first time since week one of 2018 uh, when they won their opener. Um, So truly, Jets fans are long-suffering. I... I went, I honestly, I would not be at all surprised if the Jets were to win this one because I, I do think that the Bengals are um, struggling and, and I do think it's going to, they probably, I, I don't know, can they get it sorted out quick enough? They seem to be, you know, getting in their own way. The passing game and the, the run game seem completely at odds um, with one another. That line looks a mess. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised, but I picked the Bengals to uh, win the the North uh, during our season preview show, and for that reason, and purely on the the basis of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the talent that they have, I'm going to believe in them. But if they if they go to zero and three, they'll have put themselves in an enormous hole. There's an old line in the NFL for years called, says, which says, bad lines don't travel. But um, this bad line did travel last year. It traveled all the way to, to LA for the Super Bowl like ourselves. But um, we're seeing it's catching up again already this season. Yeah, the, yeah, Columns right, they said it correct. And it wasn't just Columns. I mean, they brought in two other experienced players in free agent that were for, hadn't had great experience. One with the page, one with the books, Super Bowl rings. They, they thought it was all locked up and all sorts straight away but it hasn't hasn't come to, to pass so far anyway but i think zach taylor is, uh, has to put his hands up here there's a lot of things going wrong his play calling is wrong his management of the play clock is wrong he's not using mixing efficiently the running back is one the arguably one of the best in the league we, we, we don't seem to see him in on the right plays he never seems to be on a third down with short yards which is strange they gave up 100, uh, last week 184 yards in which the Jets gave up against the run to the Browns. They should be leaning on mixing this week, going back to bases and trying to get the win and then move on and start focusing on the rest of the season. But the Jets, for me, are there's something good and positive going on with the Jets. We, we spoke in the offseason. I felt they were going in the right direction. Salah seems to have, you, you know, Mark, you touched on last week. You could see how much we spoke about Dave with the Giants. You see the same with the, with the Jets, the players. They all wanted to rally around the coach when they won the game. They were all very excited and delighted for him that he won the game, having had a difficult week with the New York media. The defensively, yeah, last week wasn't great, but they did hold the Ravens 
for three and a half quarters in the first in the first game. And the, you know, bearing in mind they were on the field for so long, the offense didn't do a lot for the Jets on that day. But Jets offensively last week got it going. Garrett Wilson looks like the player in which everybody thought he, thought he was coming out of draft. Brees Hall, the second round pick, had a great game last week. Touchdown. Carter stepped up from where he was last year. More. They've got some players, and Flacco, when he has the players around, looks capable. Offensive line was a bit better last week. I'm going with the shock. I'm I'm siding with the Jets here. I think the Jets are going to find a way to win again. It's catching. It's catching. It's the first of all infected column. Now it's infecting Brian. Uh, the shock therapy is coursing through the Irish NFL show tonight. Um, look, um, the Bengals are facing a backup quarterback. That's lovely. Didn't do him much use last week. They faced a backup quarterback there and promptly lost to the Cowboys in Dallas. Um, I did see a great tweet, which was just imagine if they hadn't replaced 60% of the line, just imagine how many sacks Joe Burrow would be getting, um, which was somewhat ironic. But like Colm said, a lot of that isn't just on the line. It's also on Joe Burrow, who's holding on to the ball too long and setting himself up for that punishment. Um, sometimes you have to, you know, throw the ball away and live to fight another down, perhaps. Uh, the reality is if the Bengals go 0-3, they don't just set the stat, as Colm alluded to, about being the first team that went to the Super Bowl since the 2002 Rams to to go to do that in the following season. They would also be 0-3 for the first time for them since 2019 when they started the season 0-11. Um, I don't see that pattern emerging necessarily. I get all of Brian's points and agree, and I think this is going to be very close. But the one factor is I still think that Bengals' defense has a roar in it. Yes, they had have not had the greatest of starts to the season, but I think they're going to have more than enough for Joe Flacco. Uh, I think the defense can carry them this week, even if the offense and that line in particular still sputters. Don't worry, Brian, maybe one time on third and one or fourth and one, that little sneak to Perrine instead of Mixon is going to work for Zach Taylor. We we can but hope at some point along the way it will it will come to fruition. Uh, but roaring back into contention, uh, I think the Bengals will make a reappearance in the, uh, the matter uh, uh, and the very competitive matter of the AFC North. But, don't remember. Don't forget, they did lose to the Jets last year. They actually lost in East Rutherford last year. So um, Brian's selection is—it's out there. It's a—it's a lone wolf pick, Brian, because Michael's also going with the Bengals. But we'll see—we'll see how it all transpires for you. We'll see how it all transpires shortly. Um, let's go to another two teams who have certainly underperformed to date uh, against expectations, and indeed, in one instance, in an explosive fashion. Um, a very big, even this early in the season game, considering the aspirations of both these teams, and especially given the competitive division in the AFC West that the Raiders play in, the Raiders at the Titans column. Break it down for us. Yeah, definitely uh, two sides who um, had much higher aspirations than, than where they are. And at the end of this game, the likelihood is, barring a tie, one of these teams is going to be 0-3. And um, you you imagine um, that it's it, not impossible, but very difficult to get a playoff spot from, from there. The Titans, uh, we, we all probably predicted that they would take a, a step back. Um, given that they were kind of trading um, A.J. Brown. I think they themselves probably expected that to an extent. I, I don't think, I think if they felt that they had a real chance at it, I don't think they'd have traded A.J. Brown. 
right? You would you would keep your best players if you really felt that you were had a, a proper tilt at a, a Super Bowl. Um, now that that said, they they did very obviously draft. Um, rookie talent but it just it just hasn't worked and the injuries keep piling up there um lost uh and a couple of really important players in terms of their left tackle um and dupree on the edge so it's um it's difficult i i don't know for them whether the fact that um you know Tannehill possibly knows it's his last season is that playing into it um and I I really like Vrabel as a as a coach and I I think they will continue to to play hard for him um for the the Raiders if they go to 0-3 uh for Josh McDaniels it is there will be serious questions, I, I think, um, at, at that point. Not that like anything is going to happen, but people will begin to, to really look at, at this team who were very hyped um, prior to the, the season and the weapons that they have and say, what is going on there? I do feel that given the injuries the Titans have and given where the Raiders expected to be, I think the Raiders need this more than the the Titans. Um, I, I you know the the Titans. It feels to me are kind of in not not quite a rebuild, but at the same time they're trying to figure out what Derrick Henry is. They've got a lot of contracts up at the end of the year for the Raiders. That Derrick Carr extension, you know, they have a. a, a get a jail free card but they have incredible pass catchers and i think that they should be able to do enough to beat a depleted titan side and to move to one and two yeah this game has me torn all week um it has me torn all week that the graphic in which it's about to appear is now the one in which i am picking but i had asked michael to change it and i had even contacted hoagie bear to have the graphic change on our weekly picks that goes out on the sunday however um michael or sorry column talks about the injuries in which the titans have and that's why i was siding with the raiders but in the last hour or so it's been confirmed that uh, josh jacobs is now out and hunter renfro is now out so to me that's a big game changer in the game i'm not sure if you knew that column so sorry if if you hadn't uh, read that the raiders for me need to put four quarters together the first week they didn't do anything to the tour quarter they came up fast in the second half against the charges um, adams had the big run and then he got the touchdown and then last week they were very good in the first half and then completely disappeared in the second half they got to put it together for four quarters the titans yeah offensive line they're struggling henry we haven't seen a lot of henry you know, the first week he was held 82 yards. He had a quite enough game in Buffalo last weekend. And their wide receivers are a bit of unknown. Mindy Bradley Woods hasn't done a lot. Brooks, there was a lot of expected him. We did raise our concerns about letting AJ Brown go and expecting him to come in and take over the mantle and be efficient from day one. That's, that can happen for a rookie, but sometimes, by and large, it takes a while to get going. I'm going to go with the Titans. I feel Derrick Henry will have a game on Sunday. I think we'll see Ryan Tannehill with his legs more so than his arm be a bit more uh, efficient in terms of the run pass option. Yeah, the Raiders have got explosive players, but Titans have a knack, and Vrabel in particular, of finding a win when they really need it. So I'll side with the Titans. I don't know why, Brian, but when you said we're going to see Tannehill with his legs, and just at that point I had a vision of him doing river dance. Uh, don't quite know why, um, but uh, yes, he can be He's an interesting threat. 
He yeah, is. No, I was going to say, yeah. he's, he can be a threat. And you certainly see that around the goal line sometimes when he keeps on quarterback keeps, when everyone thinks it's going to Derek Henry and scored a fair few touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in the last while. Um, I, you know, guys, th- this one is is close. Um, they're both 0-2. They're both, I mean, I won't say desperate, but yeah, desperate basically for a victory at this stage. The injuries to the Titans are severe. My biggest concern would actually be Taylor Lewan being missing. When you consider Chandler Jones, the last time he played the Titans was as an Arizona Cardinal. And what did he do in that game? Oh, that's right. He only got five sacks and two fumbles on his way to another Pro Bowl season. So he will be licking his lips at this opportunity. And whilst, um, yes, there are a few injuries on the Raiders' side, Brian, I think that... uh, They've still looked impressive enough in moving the ball at times, and I'm not sure the Titans have bottomed out yet. I thought they would take a step back this season. I thought they would take a significant step back. Uh, so far, I've been proved sadly. I don't like to be right on that, but I have been proved right in that regard. Um, and I just wonder whether or not this is a little bit of a spiral until um, they reset. They reset uh, a little bit more. Um, we've talked many moons about Tannehill's ability with his arm, whether it holds them back. They obviously don't have the downfield threats, even though they were pinning a lot of hopes on their rookie wide receiver this year. So e- injuries and all, I'm going to go with the Raiders to start to right the ship because, frankly, if they don't, they're out of it. If they go 0-3 with the AFC West and all those divisional games to come, They're gone, frankly. So the Raiders need it. They both need it. But I'll go Raiders. Michael's gone Titans. So we've got a pure 50-50 split this weekend, which shows you how tight the game is, I suppose. Um, Now, we'll round out this segment with the last of the 6 p.m. games this weekend. The Philadelphia Eagles, so impressive against the Minnesota Vikings and soaring, soaring in the sky are going to face off in one of those unpredictable, undeniably complex to try to navigate NFC East divisional games against the complex and undeniably uh, opaque uh, Washington Commanders. Colm, who are you going in this one and why? Well, this is um, obviously Brian's favorite of the 6 p.m. Uh, suite of games with these two teams going up against one one another. This, I mean, the commanders have probably been a little bit uh, friskier on offense than any of us anticipated. When you consider McLaren, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson have, I, I think, all of all of them are almost um, or at uh, at least 100 yards receiving, and um, they've combined for six touchdown catches. They had 10 touchdown catches uh, for their receivers in all of last year. Um, so they're, they're definitely off to uh, a, a decent start. Uh, but they are coming up against an Eagles side who have started the season on fire. Um, Jalen Hurts completed 84% of his passes and he was passing uh, into the middle of the field uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, which is was the biggest knock against him coming into this season. Uh, but in terms of bringing in A.J. Brown, um, giving him a, tar- a target there, and he has risen to the challenge uh, thus far. They are going up against uh, a commander's team who still have issues on defense. 
and they rank dead last in the NFL in terms of yards allowed per rush. When you are going up against this eagle side, um, and I think about this eagle side, it's it's running back by committee, but when when they're behind that line, it doesn't seem to to matter. Um, I I believe that that um, that fact, the fact that they. Uh, should be able to run on the commanders coupled with the shots that that hurts is likely to take um should lead the eagles to win it but it's a divisional game it will be close i've no doubt um that we will see uh, carson wentz want to to prove a point and show what you know that the Eagles, what what he can do. I saw him come out this week and admit he could have been both a better person and better teammate. So perhaps he is learning. But I think this uh, Eagles side uh, have enough to get the win. These two games were quite tight last year. I know it's a different season, but um, I do reflect on those games. The NFC East games are always quite close. And like the Eagles had a, a red zone stand at the end to deny Washington the, the, the opening game in Washington and then the other game was played later on in the season. It was a COVID game. It was played. The game got moved back and for three quarters, Washington were well in the game and the Eagles pulled away. They always play each other close. Yeah, I can I can understand Colm's concern around the Washington defence, but they are getting two safeties back this weekend, the strong safety and the free safety, which I imagine will help in terms of trying to stop the run game. And they do tend to have better games against Hurts. I don't know, it's down to the fact that three of the defensive line in the front seven played in Alabama and played on the same team as Hurts. Maybe they, they know the good and the bad of what that player entails. And then you look at the other side, Washington's offense this season. Second best passing offense in the league. Second best quarterback rating in the league. And Carson went seven touchdowns over 660 yards going against a defense that played well on Monday night. But I'm still concerned and I saw what Detroit were able to do to them in week one. Dotson has three touchdowns already at 99 yards. He's going to go up against Maddox in this game. Maddox had a terrible game week one, kind of rebounded last week. So if you're going to keep him off the two main guys in Slay and Bradbury, and then even that, they're going to have to manage. Curtis Samuel, McLaurin, I think Washington have all the weapons. They're at home. They won their first game. They put up 28 points. They put up 27 last week. They can live with them. The Eagles haven't scored in the fourth quarter of either game because they've been easing off. I think they're going to be in a game right into the fourth quarter on Sunday. And I'm going with the upset. I'm going with the commanders. I, d- I mean, White Fang comes to mind. Hilary Mantel wrote Wolf Hall. Um, I, I mean, the Wolves, the Lone Wolves are circling uh, all week in this regard. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to weigh up, Brian, how many times you pick the Eagles all season, if truth be told. But look... You are right, and I said at the start, NFC East games are always very tight. This is actually the first NFC divisional game, uh, divisional rivalry game of the season. Uh, The next one comes up on Monday Night Football and the Cowboys go up against the Giants, so interest obviously lies ahead of seeing how these divisional rivals match up. Um, And, Colm, you call out... um, Sorry, Brian, did you call out about Alabama um, and Allen and... um, trying to remember the other... Yeah, Allen and Payne, that's Payne, it. Yeah. Allen and Payne yeah. used to play in Alabama. I saw them during the week and they were talking about the fact, or Payne was talking about the fact that uh, Nick Staben used to shout at them all the time about containing Hurts and about making sure to keep contain, keep contain. You don't want Nick Saban on your case in relation to that. And for all that's been said about Hurts, and you know, I've said a few things myself about my belief in his ability to get the ball down the field. Uh, uh, you know, he has 
gone through a lot as a player already. When you think back to his times in Alabama, you think back even to his start in the Eagles, and it's not the easiest crowd or of set of fans to win over. Um, he is certainly playing through adversity generally. What mustn't be overlooked is this Eagles offense is pretty damn explosive. They're, they're, they're up there. They get chunk plays all the time. They're racking off big runs. They're racking off good, solid completions uh, down the field. And that is something that we have not seen from the commanders. It's something we haven't seen from Carson Wentz, in fairness, since about 2016, 2017, generally. Um, overall, when I compare the two quarterbacks, when I compare what the Eagles running game is doing, and most importantly, and Colin, you dealt on this really well, what the defense is capable of. I honestly, even though I believe it should be close as a divisional game, I don't see it being that close. And I feel, feel that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to run, 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 and then run away with the game. So I go for the Eagles to take this game. And Michael also agrees. So like I said, Brian continues uh, uh, on a wolfy trip. Look, that's going to wrap up this part of the uh, podcast, and we'll go on to the next segment where we'll wrap up a few more of the games moving into the late window. So starting off our late window games, let's kick off, guys, first of all, with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the LA Chargers. Colm, who you got on this one? Well, this is... Uh, I, if we had probably picked this game two or three weeks ago before the season started, um, I think it would, for me, it would have been probably very straightforward at at that point. Um, but I, I think the Jags are ahead of schedule in terms of where I thought they'd be. Now, some of that is, I think, a testament to just how bad things were under Urban Meyer last year. Um, you know, so they were always going to take a step forward when that circus had left town. But I, I do think that the players have also responded to, to Doug Peterson and he has made positive impacts there. Um, the the defense is playing really well and what they are doing in terms of their ability to get to uh, the opposing uh, quarterbacks uh, is impressive. They We talked about it on uh, Monday night in terms of Christian Kirk and the way in which they're using him in interesting ways. You know, you pay somebody that much money, uh, you know, you want them to kind of be the focal point, but he is, uh, I suppose, kind of open things up for uh, Trevor Lawrence. They they still have a ways to go, you know. They're they're by no means um where they I think would like to be. Um but they're certainly moving in, in the right direction. This this Chargers team so so much talent. Um but they are now have really serious in injury concerns. Um, JC Jackson and Corey Lindsley are both doubtful. Um, and Keenan Allen um, and Justin Herbert are questionable. Apparently, Herbert is going to be a game time decision. Um, e- even if he plays, like, how, how much, you know? How much pain is he going to to be in? And I have no doubt that that Jacksonville front is going to look to um, make him uncomfortable. Um, You know, and uh, a rib injury, you can take the pain injection, but every every time, no matter what what you do, every time you throw that ball, every time you tuck it, every time you you take a, a QB hit or a sack, it is going to impact on it. 
the the Chargers, I, I think, still need to figure things out a little bit on offense. Um, and for for the reason that I don't know if Herbert is going to play, I am going to go and say that there is going to to be an upset, and that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win this one. It is a difficult one to call because we just don't know where the, how the cards are stacked for Sunday. Um, it does look like Herbert Moore, as the week has gone on, is going to play. They were showing a lot of footage on NFL.com yesterday evening of him practicing with the guys. There are some bright spots for this uh, Chargers offense this season. Garrett, the tight end, looks really good. He had a good game last week before he had the win taken out and he wants to go off the field before that pick six. And then Palmer, the wide receiver last year, second year in the league, he's starting to step up, had a touchdown last week, some nice plays. If the offense is there, Keenan Allen for me, like he's getting to a stage of his career where he's yeah he's out, but I don't think he's a big loss. We have to see Williams have a strong game as he did last week. But again, it's all down to whoever it is. They're going to have to rely on the, on the running game. It's it is a running game by committing they've got three or four new two new running backs from the draft and then doing a uh, guy last year Kelly on the back of Eckler. So you'd imagine they try their utmost to get the run game going. Jags offense. Very good week one, very good week two. It's, you know, week one, they really should have won in Washington. They had a number of red zone opportunities and ended up relying on field goals and then some fourth downs. But I can't, I can't go against Chargers. Um, on, the, on the assumption that Herbert is going to play, even with the difficulty of the injury, I think they'll have enough. It'll be a lot closer than people would have expected, like you said, Colin. But Chargers need to win competitive division. You talked about the Raiders going on three. If the Chargers go one and two and the Chiefs win, as many people expect them to go three and oh, it's a massive way to, massive gap already. Bear in mind they've already lost the Chiefs essentially be three games behind them. So they have to win this game and I believe they will. Jesus guys, um Colm, I'm still in shock. I mean like is, is did you just agree every every pick we're gonna have one person going rogue uh, in relation to it. Certainly good fun tonight. Um the reality for me, Brian, is if those charges have to rely upon their run game, well they're a bit screwed then. Because their run game's been pathetic this year. Um, they're averaging 2.7 yards a carry. They've gone negative yards or no gain on 15 of their 55 rushing yards. I mentioned about a minute ago about how the Eagles get chunk plays and have been getting chunk plays in the run game and the pass game. Uh, do you know how many rushes the Chargers have? Yes, it's only two weeks, but how many rushes, even on 55 attempts, have gone for more than 10 yards? I'd say, I'd say five or six, Max. Uno. Uno solamente, just the one, just the one. And so, get a while, some stage, Mark. they they do well again. If Justin Herbert doesn't play and they're relying upon Chase Daniel, the career backup, to step into the play, I mean, his career backup of 13 years in the NFL, um, it's the dream job, isn't it, guys? You never have to play and you get all these lovely paychecks along the way. Um, so, um, if they have to rely upon that, they will need to get it going, but. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense has been quite stout and has certainly been appearing. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, really, I want to see Justin Herbert play because I want Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence to have a proper who has the best hair. Uh, it's a hair off, basically, between them, you know, between the locks they both show. Um, but last week we talked about the Indianapolis Colts not being able to break the curse of Jacksonville, and they went to 0-8. Tell you someone who has a worse record than that. The Jacksonville Jaguars, because it's not just one team or one location, they can't win when they get out of Florida. Oh, and 18 consecutive road losses. 
Um, and in that time as well, they, they've never beaten the Chargers, I don't think, either. I think they're own five against the Chargers in the times that they have matched up. Um, there's a curse for you. The Road Warriors won't be able to road it up uh, because they've never been able to road it up. Trevor Lawrence's education continues. And even with Justin Herbert maybe hobbling in, maybe not able to play, I still feel and believe the Chargers will have just enough to see them off. Michael concurs. Colin, you're lone wolfing it yet again. We'll see if the this pack, uh, this pack mentality around the wolf piece continues on um, when we go to our next game, which is the Los Angeles Rams. Okay, keeping it with the LA guys, go from the Chargers to the Rams. Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Um, well, the Rams didn't start week one very well, Colin, but the Cardinals haven't started week one well or week two well um, generally, but they finished with a bit of a bang. How do you see this one going? Yeah, they they absolutely did, and it was kind of Kyler Murray magic that uh, led to to that win last week. Uh, as as much, uh, I mean, it it almost it almost felt like Cliff Kingsbury was doing a, a John Terry uh, with the the celebrations, and it, it, when it was it was all Kyler Murray that that made it happen, um, and you know that that's what. I think the cards are reliant on given that Hopkins is is out. The unfortunate thing for them is that they are playing against the the Rams and I the Rams are not the force that they were last year. They there are issues you lose somebody like Whitworth and you know, I I thought that bringing Bobby Wagner would help on the leadership side of things, but Whitworth's influence on the line um, has certainly been missed worried still about Stafford's arm and, and what that might mean um, so I do think there are questions but Aaron Donald loves playing against Kyler Murray he seems to just decide that he wants to wreck the game um, and he's been pretty dismissive of him in, in the media but Kyler you know needs to I suppose have a performance to where he can shut Aaron, Aaron Donald up it, it hasn't really happened as yet uh, I think um, whenever Kyler's come up against the, the Rams, it's tended to, to be a, a bit of a, a slog. And for for that reason, um, I'm, I'm going to, to go with, with the Rams, though, as I said, I, I still think that they are, are figuring things out. So I, I don't expect, um, you know, I think this will be a close game. I, it's not like I expect the Rams to, to run away with it. But because of the Aaron Donald factor, I'm going with the Rams. I mean, the Stafford narrative still keeps continuing, even after week two, that his arm is struggling. But he did look a lot better last week. I know, albeit people say it was against the Falcons team, but a lot more efficient. Players got open a lot quicker in the game compared to when they played that Bills on Bills defense in week one. He was in the red zone five times. He took four touchdowns out of that, you know. So he he was a lot better last week. He had a 25-point lead going into the fourth quarter, eroded to a to what looked like a kind of a, a scary opportunity to actually lose the game to the Falcons in the end. So I think they were a lot more comfortable than the score was reflected in the end. 17, 17 garbage points, I suppose we could call it. Um, the Cards secondary statistically is the worst in the league, um, despite the comeback last week. Um, and despite not giving up many yards in the second half, so it just goes to show how bad they were in week one, how bad they were in the first half of last week's game. And they're going up against the likes of Cup and Alan, and Alan Robinson, Colin's favourite friend, had a breakout game last week for the Rams. I imagine he will be 
looking to get in there and have a really good strong game again and I just can't see how the cars will keep up with them I think the Rams will find a way to win this game I think this one is one of the most comfortable games of the weekend for me I think the Rams will will win easing off into the fourth quarter well the Rams are on a bit of a tear against the Cards I think going back to 2017 they've won 10 of 11 games against the Cardinals we often talk about some of these divisional rivalries how one team just randomly has the number of the other uh, at various stages during that rivalry, even if they're not performing. Cough, see Jacksonville Jaguars versus Indianapolis Colts last week. Um, but the Rams have been a class act for the last number of years. Cooper Cup continues on his tear eight uh, games in a row. He's had a receiving touchdown. And whilst the cards have J.J. Watt being effective when he's on the field, he was on for a fair bit against the Raiders last week. He seems healthy and will play this week, which is a good sign. They cannot have a sustainable game plan, which involves doing middling to nothing for three quarters of the game and then just relying upon Kyler Murray to produce some spectacular magic uh, at the end. Um, They... I think the interesting thing for me is, and I'm, I, I, got, I didn't look into this, but this is the fourth time this te- these teams have played during the calendar year with just the way the whole schedule has worked. So um, that's an intriguing little nugget for you as well with the, the playoff game they play between themselves as well. Um, given the whole strength of the roster overall, I must discount some amazing Kyler magic uh, sprinkling its magic dust uh, for a second week in a row and go with the the logic, the sense, the offense and the defense, which has been more consistent. So I am going with the Los Angeles Rams to win this game. Uh, Michael, too, in relation to this, um, once column appears on the screen, picks. There we go. Michael, in this instance, wanted to be the lone wolf, and he has gone from the Arizona cards to peck away at those Rams and win the day. I mean, I think there's been one game we've four of us have agreed on so far, which was Baltimore at Patriots, but I'm sure there'll be others along the way. I'm sure there'll be others that we will agree with. Right, before we wrap up this section, we'll do one more quick game here. Um, the Falcons at the Seahawks. So let's deal with some more birds of prey along the way. We have the cards. We've had the uh, Eagles previously, but the Falcons at the Seahawks column. You know, not much to be said about these teams in some respects, but break down this game for us and how maybe two, let's say middling teams, I'll be polite, middling teams, might uh, perform and how it all play out. Yeah, two teams, both of whom will probably have different quarterbacks next year. Um, the The Seahawks are struggling offensively, which I, I don't think is going to be a surprise to anyone. To, the, that was the expectation prior to the season. They put a lot into uh, getting the the win over the the Broncos, and and deservedly so. But since the uh, in the past six quarters, they're scoreless, um, and that's that's got to be an enormous worry to go six quarters uh, without scoring uh, a point. And that's not all on on Gino. They also haven't scored um, much like the the Broncos. They haven't scored from the the red zone um, the, this season, um, and they're going up uh, against a, a Falcon side who are capable of scoring points, but are also capable of giving up an enormous number of of points. Um, 
there was talk during the week, uh, uh, and rightly so, around Arthur Smith and the fact that he kind of unlocked Cornell Patterson, but he doesn't seem to know what to do with his unicorn of a, a tight end in, in Kyle Pitts. And again, he got a little bit tetchy, um, probably even more tetchy than, than Mike Tomlin when asked about Trubisky last night uh, when people kind of pointed it out to him. Uh, you know, and he said, I'm not here to play fantasy football. I'm, I'm here to win games. It's like, well, then you need to win games, Arthur. Uh, so... I, you know, this is this is one probably where you know the the strength of the Falcons is offense, the strength of the the Seahawks is is defense. It it's a little almost a, a bit of a, a coin flip, but I think in in ways. But I think the way in which the NFL is in twenty twenty two, you're better off almost having a more powerful offense rather than uh, a defense and for that reason i'm going to say that arthur smith is not playing fantasy football but he is winning games this week the falcons to get the victory Colm said it's a coin flip game it's not a coin flip game in my opinion because i called it on monday i made my pick on monday show i said seattle are going to rebound on me two and one come this come the end of this weekend yeah the falcons offense has played reasonably well i would say you know week one they played well against the saints and then dean pease who said this defense is gonna be the best in the league somehow self-destructed in the fourth quarter allowed a miraculous saints comeback where they were down by 16 points at one stage and last week okay for us against the, the super bowl champions they gave up quite a um it wasn't even about the scores it was about the yards they gave up. it was you know it was quite high as well and uh seattle didn't do anything last week picard has a, has a knack of you know as we said before finding ways to get performance out players that are Below their pay, or above their pay grade, shall we say, in terms of defensive performing. They did it in week one against the Broncos. Obviously, everybody was revved up with the Russell Wilson factor. But I think at home, 12th man, Falcons will find a way uh, to self destruct and Seattle will lap it up. And Geno Smith, I actually think, will have a rebound game because he still has good players. Penny, the running back, is underrated, in my opinion. I think he's quite a good player. Bearing in mind that they've had to let the, yeah, their main running back from last year, Carlton, is. Retired because of injury. He stepped up last year towards the back end of the season. Started well in the open game. They've still got Lockett. They've still got Metcalf. They've got two uh, young uh, tight ends. And obviously the one they brought in, no fans. I think they still have players there offensively to do damage on this Falcons defense, which I think is quite weak. So for me, Seattle win this game comfortably. Comfortably. Well, from a man who predicted the Hawks would win 10 games, I'm not surprised to hear Brian is leaning in favour. Nine. nine. I'm you, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. You, nine, you nine. and Michael seem to continue want to tag on the extra game. That's fine. So when we had to hit the end of the season and they win nine, you go, oh, but you said 10. You I said, said uh, At that nine. stage, Brian, I'll be saying you said 11. Don't worry. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be adding on a couple more at that stage. Um, look, it's interesting. The Clash had a song, London Calling. London is definitely calling next week, obviously, but nowhere is London calling more than when Marcus Mariota throws the ball because he sends a lot of them in the direction of Drake London, the number eight overall pick uh, in last year's draft, or this year's draft, sorry, I should say. Um, The Falcons have been playing tough. They've had two close losses. Uh, and the, the, the Rams, as as you alluded to, Colin, obviously they came back very strongly in and maybe unfortunate not to um, really cause a sensational upset towards the end. 
but I would say that was a little bit more of a factor of the Rams letting them back in the game rather than the Falcons necessarily forcing their way back in. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I was criticizing the run game of the Chargers a minute ago. They have been abysmal running the football. I mean, 56 yards they're averaging. It's, it's really bad, uh, frankly. However, uh, even though they're that bad, even though Marcus Marietta has not started the season too badly and he has that wonderful connection of Drake London, um, I think it's at Lumen Field. I think it's the 12th man. I think Seattle raised their game not only for the season opener and because it was against Russell Wilson, but because they were at home. Um, so with that surprising situation, um, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks also to win this game. Um, so we just flip up the picks there quickly. That's Brian and Mark have gone for the Seattle Seahawks. Colin and Michael have gone for the Atlanta Falcons. And like I say, maybe Drake London wins, uh, scores a touchdown, but definitely London's calling next week. I won't be there. Unfortunately, I'm in the, the United States, but Colin, Brian and Michael will be doing live shows there uh, outside the stadium again in the morning and then obviously covering the game live for the NFL show, Irish NFL show, uh, all the way through the game. Look, guys, that brings us to the end of this particular segment with a couple of key games to wrap up in the last piece, and then we'll be taking your questions and answers. Okay, so let's get on. There'll be two cracking games to wrap up towards the end of this segment, towards the end of this show tonight. First of all, I think the Bills and the Dolphins is the game of the week, to be honest, gents. But many people have said, well, no, the game of the week might be in the NFC to see one last time, one last time. Do you know when they're 60, they'll still be saying one last time for Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady to face off against each other. But it's not really about them. It's probably about the two defenses. Um, but what do you think about it, Con? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Who would have thought that, you know, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers versus Tom, Tom Brady. And I think realistically it is going to be the defences who de- decide this game. Um, the, the Packers' defence has probably been a, a little bit disappointing in terms of certainly what I expected of them uh, going into the season. And um, the, the Bucks' defence on... The other hand proved itself in New Orleans. That was the reason they ultimately got got the win. the 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 Bucks, I, I feel, you know, it they they will do truly whatever it takes to win. Like if, without that fight last week, I think the Saints potentially win that game. But the the fight completely knocked the the Saints. Uh, out of their their rhythm, they seem to lose their heads, and the the Bucks got the win. It cost the Bucks Mike Evans, um, who usually actually plays quite well against the the Packers. So that is uh, a sizable loss for them. And also the the Bucks have struggled in on the ground. They really their run game has not gotten going thus far. I, I think they they really miss Chris Godwin in the the slot, and the fact that they're bringing in Cole Beasley to play there. I don't, I don't understand that because they're such different players. Um, like Godwin offers you in terms of blocking, in terms of down downfield. Uh, Beasley does none of that, so I, I'm intrigued to see how how that works out. And you know, for for the Packers, it is can they get to a point where um, 
Aaron Rodgers is happy with his wide receivers. How long do they have to lean into Aaron Jones and, and AJ Dillon? In in ways, I suppose, the the Packers uh, are at home, and or sorry, Bucks are at home. Um, uh, but the the Packers have probably the the stronger roster. But I've said it a million times: you cannot bet against Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady's universe, and for that reason, I'm going with the Bucks. When the schedule came out and we did our schedule release show at, I think it was seven o'clock in the morning, uh, Colin, if you recall, we, we jumped on live and went through the schedule and we didn't really have much time to kind of really get our heads around the schedule because it came out throughout the night. This is the one game we actually did discuss in detail on that show, which how attractive what a Mount Wharton game it is. Week three, you know, no adverse weather conditions in Florida where there's potential turn the pores or turn the rain and this is the game nice weather perfect game we'll see the last game between these two guys it's going to be fantastic both offenses will be firing <clears throat> both quarterbacks have a rating of below 100 at this stage of the season after three after two weeks i know it's two weeks but who would have thought it um you say about it's about defenses it's more for me it's about which offense gets the most of the wide receivers and you touched on it there the, the books have got injuries on a wide receiver who is Brady going to trust the weekend? Does Rogers trust any of them? He probably trusts Cobb, but he needs to start trusting the other guys and ultimately he needs to get more out of them. I think the Pack have the better run game. If it comes down to who's going to win because of the run, I think it will be the Packers. Will they lean? I think this is a game where Rogers will try his utmost to get these wide receivers in check, sorry, in the game more so than the Bucks. I see it a struggle for both sides, but inevitably, I think actually Rogers has more weapons to win this game. And for that reason, the Bucks haven't been 3-0 in 17 years, and I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. So I'm, I'm siding with the Packers in this game. Uh, the wide receiver depth has to be a concern for the Bucks, As at the time of recording, Godwin and Jones are questionable. Um, we don't know if either are going to play. We do know that Mike Evans is not going to play. Uh, Brady is already down, obviously Gronk, so he's got Cameron Brake maybe for a couple of uh, throws, but his tight end department is far weaker than it was. I, you know, I, I disagree, Colin, that the Bucks' run game hasn't been completely effective. I think Lenny Fournette's got his fifth in the league in rushing yards, but I agree that he's got a lot of attempts to get there. Um, it hasn't really broken open a big one, and they've had to plow away at it. Certainly, the offense overall has been you know, quiet, I think is polite. I mean, they're averaging 19.5 points per game with two pretty damn scrappy uh, the games uh, against the Cowboys and the Saints. The reality is, though, this could be a great defensive matchup. I reckon that the Bucks run defense against the Packers off- uh, rush offense, uh, particularly AJ Dillon, is going to be the deciding factor in this particular game. Um, if, that, if that rush defense holds up, then the Bucs probably uh, will win. Uh, if it doesn't, then the Packers will win. That, to me, is the critical matchup in the entire game, if I'm being brutally honest in relation to it. Yes, it is the Aaron and Tom show. Yes, they are, do not have the same threats. They have not performed so far in the season, but it's only week two as well. Uh, but I can't see this being a massive breakout game. It's going to be a defensive arm wrestle. Um, and when it's a defensive arm wrestle... It's Tom Brady's universe, but when it's not a defensive arm wrestle, it's Tom Brady's universe. This instance, remember last year the Bucs won with uh, their defense taking the ball away from Aaron Rodgers a couple of times. Um, somehow, some way, 
the Bucks defense will just top the Green Bay defense, which is a serious unit uh, in relation to it. Um, and they will find a way to keep the pressure on. And I have gone for this for the Bucks to win. And Colin's shaking his head, which means the wrong graphic's going to appear. But I can promise you, I picked the Bucks, and I've got the evidence here to say it. So I picked the Bucks, which I'll make sure is the pick. Colm has the Bucks as well, and Brian and Michael have gone for the Packers. So we're split evenly in relation to it. I'll send on the message. Definitely picked them. Um, okay, before we get on to our last game, I just want to do a call out. One of our key partners this year. Uh, is PointsBet. Uh, they're a leading U.S. sports betting provider, and we're partnering with them for the 22-23 season. Now, you might think, oh, you're going to get bombarded with a lot of free bets to sign up and things. Well, you're not. They're a U.S. betting provider. What they are in Ireland is actually a really exciting employer of tech talent here. They've got a great new office in Dublin's Liberties, and they're employing technology experts around the world. So if you have an interest in the NFL, an interest in engineering, an interest in working in aspects which drive uh, in-play betting, for example, this, uh, please look up their details. For example, on LinkedIn, search for Dublin. Uh, sorry, search for PointsBet Dublin on LinkedIn, or email them at Dublin at PointsBet.com. We're going to be excited to learn a little bit more about the technology and the maths behind how all these live betting betting, uh, odds work. And a few members of their team will join us through the season to explain how all the NFL betting really works and especially give us some guides from time to time as to what's hot and what's not. Interesting stat for you, gents. The game that the line has moved on the most this entire week is actually the Jags and the Chargers game, purely because people are looking at the uh, potential injury to Justin Herbert ruling him out of the game. And so there's a lot of fluctuation there. Brian, you look like you want to add something. As soon as I mention betting, you're kind of like chomping at the bit. Uh, well, it was more so on the Packers game. I, I suppose it is a bit angle. The over on the game is 41 points. I mean, bearing in mind these teams have been playing for, over the course of the last four or five years, it's usually around 49 to 50. That's how low it is now, 41 points. That's how, I suppose, commit the bookies are to seeing two defences take hold of the game. One thing we haven't said about the, the Bucks offence, it's the storyline is about the, the injuries and the players that are out, but they have played against two strong defences in Dallas and the Saints last week. Got the, you've got the wins, but they have gone up against two strong defenses. Mm-hmm. And that really hasn't been that, that really hasn't played into the conversation because it's more so about the lack of players in terms of what's available to them. But they have gone against two really strong defenses, arguably two of the top ten in the league. Well, true, and they've got another one this week in going up against the Packers. Um, and uh, there are two strong defenses in the last game we're going to look at. This is the Sunday night football game this week. I know. Colin Cronin is going to have opinions on this particular game. We're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, led now by Jimmy Jimmy GQ, Jimmy Garoppolo, going up against Russell Wilson's Broncos down there in Denver, Colorado. Colin, how do you see this breaking down? Uh, Well, look, for, for the Broncos, this all comes down to can they sort out the red zone issues? Uh, the Broncos are the only team since 2000 with five goal-to-go situations and zero touchdowns in weeks one and two. Um, that that is that is the 
the key question, I suppose, and around kind of sorting out the, the penalties. The Broncos lead the league. So bottom of the league alongside the Seahawks in terms of touchdowns in the red zone, leading the league in penalties. Now, the 49ers gave away an inordinate amount of penalties in week one against the Bears, but they cleaned that, that up. Um, Brian actually sent me on a, a piece uh, during the week about rookie head coaches in particular calling plays and how the statistics would tell you that that is a really terrible idea because they have so much else to to learn and you know it's it's generally maybe as they get old get a bit more experienced that they can um can do it there are some who who do it and you know have have always done it um but for Hackett at the moment it looks like you know, he he's carrying a lot. He came out during the week, said he's going to continue to call plays, but that apparently he's had input from the GM and the assistant GM, and that's going to somehow help. Um, I have some concerns ar- around that um, as as well. I I mean, outside the thing is outside of get, getting into the red zone, the Broncos have actually moved the ball really well. We've gone from a team that like were the trade out champs to a team that can actually move the ball really well. But um, there are significant injuries that the the Broncos are dealing with, and I actually, you know, I think that in terms of the. Um, the the 49ers, they are probably, um, you know, a more they know what they have with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think in the regular season, um, Jimmy Garoppolo assists the 49ers. I, I will say that I saw a stat during the week that said Jimmy Garoppolo has uh, um, appeared in six career playoff games with the Niners in the fourth quarters of those games, zero touchdowns, three interceptions three interceptions and a passer rating of 28. That is horrific. And that is the reason that they wanted to move on from, from Jimmy. He's great in the, the regular season, but in crunch time against the elite defenses, that's where um, he has issues. The Broncos have been really good on defense, but the Broncos have also got up against the Seahawks and the Texans. This is going to be much more of a, a test. I don't think this will be a high-scoring game, but I under, from what I understand, Kittle is going to be back for the 49ers, which I think makes a, a considerable uh, difference from them. Uh, I think Hackett is still learning. Um, I think the Broncos will eventually get things sorted out, but I think at that point it'll probably be too late for the AFC West. But Kyle Shanahan has Jimmy G in place. He's getting George Kittle back. We I spoke in the season preview about the talent they have on the defensive side of the, the ball. I think this will be a low-scoring game, but I have the 49ers to win it. Colin calls out that the Broncos' defense has only gone up against Seattle and the Texans last week, and since the halftime in the Seattle game, they've certainly addressed things in terms of stopping Seattle and with all due respect to how the Texans played last week, they put in a strong performance for the entirety of the game and they were very committed to their coach, Lovey Smith, but they couldn't do a lot towards the as the game progressed. Um, I do buy into this Broncos defence. I do see the reasons why Jimmy G can be a concern. It's a Sunday night football game. Mile High will be, uh, whatever he's called it these days, I continue to call it Mile High Stadium, there will be 
you know, a, a rowdy crowd, a boisterous crowd at Sunday Night Football, and Jimmy G is prone to mistakes in these type of games. And Colin was alluded to the fact that the Broncos have been able to move the ball up and down the field, just can't punch it in. But at some stage, that has to, you know, that has to stop. They need to find a way into the end zone. And I think it will be Sunday night. I think Russell Wilson will get them over the hump. I, th- I think this feels like they're in a state of flux because of the offense and the play calling. Stephen Column, yeah, Column touched on we had a good conversation this week. Similarities in a way, you know, two expansive offense coordinators who've come from come strong teams to manager to, to head coach our teams. Giants guys made a decision to hand it off to a guy who was with the Chiefs and has, has worked under Andy Reid. I can understand that. Hacking Bobby feels at this stage he would be more comfortable calling the plays than handing it off to his offense coordinator. That may in change throughout the course of the season when he gets a bit more of a trust element. I don't like the 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 points can't well, I don't like what we're hearing about GMs getting involved at this stage of the season. It's the tour game of the season. We could see how things transpire, but for me, as much, as good as the 49ers are, I think the Broncos they need this, they really need this win. For me, they find a way to get get over the line on Sunday night. Uh, 49ers, um, you know, still shaking off the bad vibes from a terrible week one loss to the Bears. Um, the Broncos, Colin Hood, possibly contend is equally shaking off the bad vibes from a terrible week one loss to the Seahawks, necessarily. I, you know, I think patience and calmness is needed in, in both these places. One, giving Jimmy some chance to reestablish himself and to calm down, but Broncos fans even more so, perhaps, give Wilson and Hackett a little bit of room to breathe. Remember the Peyton Manning era started off two and three, and that didn't turn out too bad. So um, giving him a little bit more of a chance. And, and Russell Wilson won't mind facing off against the 49ers. He's 16-4 and four against them in his career, bearing in mind, obviously, he used to face them twice a year, every single year. Um the 49ers defense is, I think it's two good defenses, by the way. They're stingy. They haven't allowed a team over 100 rushing yards in seven or eight games. Um, and given that I think at the moment the Broncos are still going to lean heavily on Williams and um, oh, Melvin Ingram, uh, as they're not Melvin, Melvin Ingram. Gordon. Melvin Gordon, that's it. Thank you. As their one-two punch at the rushing attack, um, that is potentially the pivot of their offense at the moment. Um, given that they're waiting for a little bit more dynamism out of the offense, um, Cortland Sutton, sorry, had an amazing game last week, actually. I thought I thought he was the difference, obviously, between a, a very embarrassing loss to the Texans and actually then pulling out that game. His connection with Wilson was something that gives you hope for the future there. But I feel that the 49ers are getting Kittle back. They've got Depot Samuel. Samuel. They have an impressive offensive line, a strong rushing attack, even though they've had their own injuries again to that running back position and therefore have lost some of their threats there. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be tense with two teams with a lot on the line. Neither of these teams obviously wants to slip to one and two. Nobody wants to lose a game in the, the National Football League. But even if it, they did, it's not necessarily fatal to either of them. On balance, I'm leaning in favor of the 49ers and my friends in Santa Clara to continue to fight another day. And Michael also agrees. So the two Broncos fans are going with the 49ers. The Giants fan is going with the the Broncos. And it truly is a week of lone wolves here on the Irish NFL show uh, altogether. That's a bit of reverse psychology. They're praying for a Broncos win, but they're going to want to look right on Monday night show the Niners. 
Is there really hey, that? Hey, I'm praying for a Patriots win. I still pick the Ravens. I mean, this I'm just we're going, with, yeah, our, we're going yeah, yeah. with our heads, not our hearts, is what I will say. I, yeah. Is that is that a bit of projection from last week, there, Mister O'Leary? I'm glad you're saying that because he's he's, he's, a, he's a, I think he's nowhere. I'm going to be going with Monday night's game. As someone who's picked the Giants both weeks so far and predicted a four and did I, I think I picked him in week one, but a no, four and start. No, you didn't. No, okay. No, you, I predicted no, a four and start though <laughs> after week one. Four and start. Yeah. So I'm still on with you. Before we wrap up, uh, we love all the interaction on Twitter, on YouTube, all the comments that have come in. So thank everyone ever so much for those columns. A couple of questions maybe that have come in. Yeah, um, just to echo uh, what you said, Mark, I suppose, just um, love seeing the, the interaction on the YouTube comments, on, on Twitter, um, and don't forget, we are across social media, and we do always enjoy interacting with people. If you do listen to the podcast, um, if you can review it, uh, subscribe, it really helps us out. Um, and yeah, one thing we want to do really this year is to, to look to bring in a couple of questions when, when we get the, the chance. So we did have a, a question around the uh, AFC West and whether, it, uh, I suppose, we two weeks in, uh, there was a lot of talk from March onwards that this would be the best division um, in football. And I, I will put this to the two of you, given that I am a fan of a team in the division. So I'll leave it just to the, the two of you and this will round out the, the show. Is the AFC West um, still the best division in in football, or uh, the the thoughts on that? I thought you were going for us, Mark. Um, oh, okay. God, it's, yeah, I'll it's let you go first. But it's a difficult man, it's Brian, sorry. I'll let you. Sorry, Mark. It's a difficult, one, isn't it? Really, I know it's three or four weeks ago before the season. We would have said it's a, it's a slam dunk. I still think it is. Yes, it is. I think. It's too early for us to be saying that's it's not the case. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, the Chargers. Chargers are coming off difficult loss last week, but they really could have won that game in, in our head. And the narrative going into this game against the, the Jags this weekend would be very different. They're still a very strong side. You would expect them to be competing. And I still think there's too many games left to be writing off the Raiders and the Broncos. I mean, Columns can with the Broncos this Sunday, and so was Mike, and, and right, so was a very against a very good NFC West team. But they still have a lot of players there, and you touched on something, and we need a great game last week. They have just a long way to go there. You, you look at who's coming out of playoffs. I mean, the Titans are struggling. The Colts are struggling. There's two great teams, I think, in the AFC, AFC East, which I called out at the start of the season. I felt that the Dolphins would run this Bills team close, but this division is still stacked. And I think it's a, lot, a lot of these games are going to come down to margins in terms of close games, field goals here and there, and teams will take games off each other that we don't expect. Um, you know, statistically, there's three divisions in the NFC that have all their teams, 500 or above. Um, in the AFC, the only division that has that is actually the AFC East. Definitely wouldn't have predicted that at any point in the season. Um, but overall, um, yes, it's still the best division in the football. The Chiefs have started like a rocket ship. The Chargers have shown their class that are still there. I do think the Broncos will get it together. It's just a slower build and burn. And the Raiders were shown in flashes, though, as we broke it down earlier on. If they go 0-3, there's a, there's a big spiral that they could go down, especially given all of those big money off-season moves they made. Um, but I think they'll bounce back as well and they'll right the ship, although maybe it won't be enough, obviously, to make the playoffs. Um, any one of them can beat any one of them. Um, 
any one of those teams in the FC West, I would, you know, give them a great shot against any team in the NFL. And yes, as uh, as the questionnaire posed in relation to it, the Chiefs are still the daddy of that division, however, and still rocking it um, every night at the moment. Okay. That brings us to an end tonight. We will be back on Monday Night Football for our MNF. Uh, we'll give you a breakdown of the Sunday games and previewing uh, an intriguing Monday Night Football game between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. We'll also be back later on next week and we'll be doing all the build to the first London game of the season uh, when the Irish NFL show will be back on tour with a live show there and looking forward to all the fun and games that London has to bring. With that, I'm going to bid adieu to you gentlemen. Good night to Colm and to Brian. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, uh, Cassidy Travel, uh, our Equipment Providers Trust, and everyone for all your continued support. Interact with us at the weekend. We're looking forward to the games. Tell us when we're wrong. Tell us when we're right occasionally as well. And uh, take care and have a great weekend and enjoy the football. 